agreement with that song, say amen. amen. Amen means so be it, and I hope that's true for you. I thank you for the, the offertory, too, Lead Me to Calvary. And, and growing up, whenever we'd have the Lord's Supper, that, that song was played, uh, you know, as, we, as, the, as the elements were handed out and given out. And uh, as that would go, as they were passed out, I'd always take my mind and try to think through, meditate on the crucifixion of the Lord. And as he would leave that place of the Last Supper and go down to the garden, and I'd, I'd kind of walk in my mind through that. And I think few, few songs bring me, bring me back to what Jesus did like that one, that hymn. And you ever have that certain songs, they bring you to certain places, certain things they remind you. And, and I appreciate those two. Not only a reminder of Calvary, but, but that last song, I'd rather have Jesus. Amen. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. But Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Stand with me as you turn. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16. Tremendous pastor of scripture here. The title of the message is more of him, more of Jesus. Our theme for the year is more about him. And in this passage of scripture, we see a call to have more of him in our life. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, it says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. Amen. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you glad you're not working your way into heaven? Friend, if, if you're working your way into heaven, you're never going to make it. The Bible says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, but the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He would say, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that he might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. Verse 20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Would you read verse 20 aloud with me? I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity to be in church on this Sunday morning, to think about our Savior and what he did for us at Calvary. Lord, to have you over everything. Lord, we gather here today because we love you. You said we love him because he first loved us, and you have surely shown us that love at Calvary, and so we are here today. Lord, we come before you and we open up the scripture this morning. I ask that you would speak to our hearts. Be with me as I preach your word and touch each one of our hearts with the, with the, with the truths of this scripture. Lord, do a work in our lives this morning. We love you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Now, there's a statement. I don't live. Paul would say, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Paul would say later in his life, he'd say, but by the grace of God... I am what I am. Remember that statement? Here the Paul would say, Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He said, I want you to know it's Christ who's been working in my life. And Paul's life was truly a testament to that fact. On the Damascus Road, you know where he was headed. He was going to find Christians and persecute them and imprison them. He would say that he would, he would go into strange city, city after city, going into the synagogue and taking those who called upon the name of Christ and imprisoning them for their faith and delivering them unto death. 
giving his testimony and his witness against them and thinking that he did God a service and rejoicing in what he did, thinking that he did God a service, imprisoning and delivering people up unto death, fathers and mothers, delivering to them to death because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Something took place in his life, obviously, to change it. The Damascus Road, God confronts him on the road. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And Paul would make a decision that day to trust in the one that he had persecuted others for trusting in. And he would call upon the Lord. Paul's life was changed. Previously, he had gone from city to city imprisoning people, and now he was on the road going from city to city preaching Jesus establishing churches. As a matter of fact, we know more about the cities he visited while preaching than we know the cities he visited while persecuting. He was in the service of the king. That which he had done in the flesh was, was forgotten, but that which he had done for the Lord and what God had done in his life was remembered. And God had done it in his life. He said, I didn't do it. It was Christ that liveth in me. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. God has done this in me and in my life and through me. At Athens, at Corinth, at Galatia, in Galatia, and in Ephesians, and all the different places that God did marvelous things through the life of Paul that folks might come to know Christ as their Savior and churches would be established. And he would make this statement, it wasn't me that did it, it was God that did it. It's a good statement to make because in John chapter 15, 5, Jesus would say this, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do what? Nothing. For without me, ye can do nothing. Without Christ, we can accomplish nothing of eternal value. Mark chapter 10 and verse 27 says, And Jesus, looking upon them, said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. It's an amazing statement. Without God, nothing is possible, but with God, everything is possible. God does incredible things through people and in the lives of others who follow him and trust him and let him work in their life. In this passage of Scripture, Paul is drawing us our attention to that. It's not I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. He said, I want to live the Christ-controlled, the Christ-filled life. I brought with me a pair of gloves this morning, a pair of leather work gloves, all right? And... Um, and uh, I've got these gloves. I remember some of the first times I wore these with regularity. These I haven't. Those are all worn out. My brother and I were teenagers. We worked on a, we moved from Cincinnati, Ohio. We moved to uh, Marion, Indiana. And through a couple summers, we worked for some farmers baling hay. Anybody bale hay in here? Anybody ever bale some hay? And uh, it was, we'd grab those bales that had the two strands around them. we stack them. We were usually on the trailer. And the guy would go down with his, with his uh, uh, tractor and baling that hay. And it spit it out on the, on the trailer. And we'd grab it. And we'd stack it and we do that all day long and you would wear these gloves because if you didn't wear gloves well eventually you would get calluses but long before you ever got calluses you got a whole bunch of blisters and uh and uh, we'd buy these gloves and we'd wear them i'd wear them until they wore out you know the leather would wear out uh right here on your fingers as you grabbed them and stacked them and, and as high as you could matter of fact they used to call us the city boys remember that pastor adam and they gave us a little bit of a hard time because we had grown up we had been in the city and now we were there but we determined we wouldn't be outworked all right now you could laugh at us but you couldn't outwork us all right and so we would work as hard as we could all right and we'd stack those things and uh they would continue i remember one day we had worked from it was about seven we were supposed to be there at seven in the morning we worked till i i think it was after six but it was at least six o'clock 
and uh, had a little lunch break there, and we were starving. Uh, teenage boys, you know, you're starving all the time, but especially when you've been working hard all day long. And we showed up at the Mexican restaurant, Las Cheritas. It's still there, all right? Not, but not because of the damage we did that day, all right? And we went in there, and we were starving. I don't know how many chips we ate, but it was more than what, you know, their budget allowed for, all right? How many drinks we drank before they brought us our fajitas, and I, I remember watching, after a while, they quit looking at our table anymore. Uh, they just wouldn't look at our table. I mean, you try to wave at them. Remember when they brought us the little cups? They had brought us full-size cups, and then they gave us little cups, all right? You're done. You get the mini cup, the communion cup. That's what you're getting here. But we were starving, and we had been working all day long, but we wore these gloves while we do it. But gloves really don't do a thing, do they? They don't do much. Matter of fact, these gloves are only as valuable as the hands that are in them. Right? You can only do something with, matter of fact, you, uh, someone who has a trade or something, if they're going to get something, or it's not the glove that, that finds its value, it's the one that's wearing them that finds the value, isn't it? These value of these hands, the gloves are only as good as maybe the talent of the person who's wearing them or the strength of the person who's wearing them. It's, it's really not about the glove, it's about the hand that's inside of the glove. It's not about what the glove can do, it's about what can be done by the one wearing the glove. In this passage of scripture, we see Paul saying, it's not I that liveth, it's Christ that liveth in me. He said, in other words, it's, I'm just a glove and a tool at the hand of my Lord. The writers of the, of the Bible would give a similar comparison. David would say in Psalms, he'd said, I'm just a pen in the, in, the, in the hand. My tongue is as a pen in the hand of a ready writer. He said, I'm just an ink pen. It's the Holy Spirit of God that's, that's doing the writing. We see this truth in Scripture that God calls us to live the Christian life the same way we were saved. Remember when you were saved? What did you do for your salvation? Nothing. It was Christ that did it all. It was Christ that did it all. The Lord calls us in this passage of Scripture. He said, without me, ye can do nothing. If you want to do something of eternal value, it is God that will do it in you and through you, and not you that will do it for Him. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a call on our part to serve the Lord and to give our life for the Lord, but it is not service alone that gets us anywhere. It's the servant who surrendered to the will of God. It's the servant who lets God work. There is a time to do things for the Lord, but as you do it for the Lord, you must do it by the Lord, and you must have more of them in your life. It, it sounds like semantics, but we say, how do I live that life of Christ doing a work in me and Christ doing a work through me? How do I live that life? In this verse, we get a glimpse of it. And the first thing we see is, is to live a crucified life. Notice what he says there in that first part of that verse. I am what? Crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. The first element of the crucified life speaks to our position in Christ. Go over to chapter 4 here in Galatians. Would you go to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 and look at what the writer would say here. Look what the Holy Spirit says through the, through the pen of Paul. He says... But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, 
He speaks to the work of the Lord. When the fullness of time was come, in the book of Peter, the Lord said that he had a plan of redemption before the foundation of the world, God had a plan. And he began to unfold that plan from the day that he spoke this world into existence. And we know the story. He put one tree in that Garden of Eden. He said, Adam, Eve, don't eat of that tree. Because the day that you eat of that tree, thou shalt surely die. It was to choose the opposite of God. God said, I, I want you to love me. I want you to serve me. I want you to follow me. But here's your way out. You can eat of that tree. But I warn you, the day that you eat of the tree, you'll surely die. It's separation from the Lord. It's the opposite of God. And we know what they did. They ate of that tree. They ate of that tree. From the moment they ate of the tree, God's plan began to unfold. We'd see Adam and Eve recognize their nakedness and they'd try to cover themselves with some, some leaves from the garden and God would say, that's insufficient. And so our Lord would perform the first sacrifice. He'd slay an animal and he'd clothe them with the skins of an animal. The very first sacrifice. I like how Hebrews said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one who authored it before the foundations of the world. He's the one that performed the first blood sacrifice in the garden. And by the way, he finished the last one at Calvary when he gave his son's life on Calvary and died for us. The last needed one, the author and the finisher. And, and in the fullness of time, his plan would begin to unfold, that blood sacrifice. The Lord would lay out his plan in, in, the, in the law and we would see how God would bring his son in sacrifice. And we'd see it in the, the laid out commanded sacrifices of the Old Testament. Just a glimpse, just a shadow, just just a picture of what Jesus was going to do for us. We'd see it in the tabernacle as God laid out the tabernacle in the presence of God. And there's just one gate that led to the tabernacle. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The altar, the place of sacrifice, the, the brazen laver, a place of cleansing. Only Christ can bring it. Stepping into the tabernacle, the bread of life. Jesus was the bread of life. And on the other side, the, the, the lamp that Jesus is the light of the world, the altar of incense, and into the holy of holies where the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat. All of it just a picture. God would take them through an age of conscience as God worked them through the age of conscience and it would build the Tower of Babel and it would all come apart. Through the age of government, and that would come apart. Through the patriarchs, and that would come apart. Through the law, the insufficiency of the law. However, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 would say, the seed of a woman would bruise the head of Satan. The virgin-born Savior, no earthly father. The seed, he said, made of a woman, and then he would make this statement, made under the law. The only one to perfectly keep the law. The law tells you and I, it's, it's our schoolmaster. And that schoolmaster of the law reminds us of something. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Friend, if there's anything the law can teach you, it's that you cannot keep it. No man ever has and no man ever could. You cannot. You can go through the Ten Commandments and find out just in those ten, you can't keep it. Let alone the others that would unfold around it that God would give. No man can keep it. In that law, the schoolmaster would teach us about a Savior who would come and how he would give himself as an ultimate sacrifice for you and I. And in the fullness of time, he came. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ what? 
died for us. He died on the cross in my place and for us. In the Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. What is he saying in that verse 20? He said this in that verse in Galatians 2 and verse 20. He said, I am crucified with Christ. In, Galatians, in Ephesians, the Lord would say about our condition before we came to know the Lord. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses of sins, wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. See, there was a day in our life and in the life of those who don't know them, they're under the full influence of the flesh. This glove would work at the hand of sin. Sin had its grasp on them. The course of this world, the prince and power of the prince of this air, pushing about and moving about. And sin was in our nature and sinner is what we were. And there was no hope but to be a sinner. And our lives moved by the power of sin and of the flesh. But in the fullness of time, the Lord sent forth his son. Made of a woman under the law, kept the law, the only one to perfectly keep the law, the only one who could walk on this earth with his life without sin and be tempted in all points alike as we are yet without sin, who could keep it in its entirety and die on a cross and go to that cross and die on the cross, not because he was a sinner, but because you and I are a sinner. For the wages of sin is death. And whose sin did he pay for? And who did he die for? He died for you and he died for me. And in May of 1995 at Madeira Baptist Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and the one who gave himself for me and died on the old rugged cross and rose again. And God took a nail and he drove it through my sin nature. And sin lost its hold on me. I was dead dead would crucified with him sin had lost its power sin could no longer push me and shove me around and the sinner was not my destiny seeing god made me his son and he made me his child and sin lost its hold on me and whatever sin i have in my life or allow in my life it's not because sin has a hold on me it's because i have a hold on sin because sin lost its power over me can no longer control me. Paul was saying, I'm crucified with Christ. My position in the Lord is settled. Sin is dealt with. I have been saved. It is over with, but it is our position in Christ. But that position in Christ must become our practice in the Christian life. It's one thing to have a position. It's another thing to live it out. 
In other words, I have fishes positions in my life. I'm a husband. Since January 2009, I've been a husband. That's my position, a married man. Whether I live like that is different, isn't it? I've been a father since Samuel, Han, came into this world. Whether I live like a father is a different thing. I pastor Grace Baptist Church. Whether I act like a pastor is a different thing, isn't it? You're a Christian. Whether you live like a Christian or not is a different thing. What is he saying? It's been crucified. It's been settled. It is done. Your place is victory because sin has been crucified. But here's what you must do. You must die daily in your life. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid! How shall the we that are dead to sin continue any longer therein? For if we live after the flesh, he, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds, kill the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Colossians 3, 5, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. He said, live right. He said, sin has lost its hold on you, so lose your hold on sin. You're a child of God. You know, the perfect example of this was our Savior, wasn't he? Remember, he'd go into the garden. He asked his disciples to come and they'd go with him and pray and then he'd leave them behind, go a little bit deeper and he'd take Peter, James and John with them and he'd leave them, watch and pray with me for a little out, an hour and he'd go a little bit deeper into the garden and he'd begin to pray. The Lord doesn't live us grasping or wondering what he prayed, did he? Lord, if it be possible, let this cup, what? Pass from me. But not my will be done, but thine be done. What did our Savior say? If there's another way, then let it happen. But not mine be done, thine be done. I will crucify this body of mine for them. You know he's saying? You know what the spirit, you know what this Christ-filled life? It all begins with someone who's willing to die to self and the world and live for the Lord. I will tell you the biggest thing that hinders someone with a spirit-filled life is a refusal to die to self in the world. I want, I want Jesus, but I want the world too. I want to live right, but I want the world too. And what does God say? Crucify the flesh. Die to self. Not my will be done, but thine be done. Let, hold of the, let go of the world, let go of hold of sin, let go of those things, die to self and Lord say, not my will be done, but thine be done. I'll tell you something, as long as you live for your will, you cannot live for his will. You cannot. Paul said this, I am crucified with Christ. It is this, the, the life that has more of him is a life that is a crucified life. Not only do we see a, to live a crucified life, but to live a filled life. Look what he says there in that verse again. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth where? In me. 
Talk about a statement. It's no longer, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. What a statement. How did this happen? Go back to Galatians chapter 4 again. And Paul would say this in verse 4 again. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent for the son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. Aren't you the glad Lord redeemed you by his precious blood that we might receive the adoption of what? Sons, that we might be called his sons. And how did this happen? And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your what? Hearts crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. To as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. Remember the Lord's conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, ye must be what? Born again. And Nicodemus would say, well, how can that happen? How can a man enter into his mother's womb again and be born again when he's full grown? And God would say, oh, you're not going to be born of the water, that physical death. You're going to be born of the spirit. He would say, you must be born again. The, the, the spirit's like the wind. It bloweth when it listeth. You cannot see it, but you sure can feel it. You must be born again. The day that you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that Holy Spirit of God was born in you. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was out form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the water. And God said, let there be light. And there what? Was life. You know that life-giving agent, that Holy Spirit of God that moved upon the waters, moved upon the face of this earth. When you bowed your head and trusted Christ, moved inside. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world because he's the one who spoke the world into existence and he lives in your heart. You know the difference between me and this glove? This glove has no will. None. This thing will do what I do with it. I can crumple it. I can trash it. I can poke holes into it and it's never going to stop me. But you know what's different between me and this? God's left me with a will. He's left me with a choice. Seth Han, I saved you. And I gave you my Holy Spirit. And be not drunk with wine, whereas in excess, don't be caught up with this world, but be filled with the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, he would say this, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. He said, make a choice. Surrender, Seth. Crucify your life. Your life has been crucified. Sin has lost its hold, so live that way. Die to self and, and seek the Spirit's filling and, and go to Him and call upon Him and seek Him and run to His Word and yield to His working in your life and let God have full control of your life to be Spirit-filled. Can I ask you this question? When you rose this morning, did you say, Lord, not my will be done, but thine be done today? Lord, here I am. I don't want to do what I want to do today. I want to do what you want me to do today. I don't want on my mind the things I want on my mind. I want you on my mind, and I want you to have control.
I want these hands to do what you want them to do. I want these eyes to look upon what you'd have me to look upon. I want these ears to listen to what you would have me to listen to. I want this mind to think upon what you would have me to think upon. I want these feet to go where you want them to go. I want to be filled with that Holy Spirit of God. I don't want to be under the influence of the world. I don't want to be under the influence of the flesh. I don't want to do what I want to do. But Holy Spirit of God, I'm asking you if you will take control of my life today. Lord, I don't want the casual conversation to be casual conversation. I want it to be spirit-filled conversation. Lord, I don't want to sit under the preaching and just get what I want. I want you to speak to my heart and work in my life. And Lord, I want to surrender to as you work in my life. Lord, not my will be done today, but thine be done today. Would you take me, fill me, and use me today? Paul, not my will be done, but thine. You can't have his will as long as you're fighting for yours. You cannot. You cannot have him completely filling your life until you've died to self and said, this part and every part is yours. He had a crucified life and he called for a filled life. And I'm going to tell you this, what gets us many times is we're trying to have the world have the flesh, have ourselves, and have him at the same time. And God said, I may live there, but I'm surely not in control. Crucified. Crucified. I'll tell you something, Christian. Paul looked back and said, it's not I that's been living this life. The Holy Spirit of God. Paul, I think of what he would say in Corinthians when he'd speak about I spent a night and day in the deep shipwrecked, in prison, beaten, betrayed, not only by this world, but by my own countrymen. Struggle after struggle. How did he do that? Well, he didn't. Christ did it in him. How did he walk into another prison cell as he preached for the Savior? Was it because he loved it? God strengthened him. How is it he could be persecuted in Philippi, and go on to Thessalonica. The Holy Spirit of God working in his life. How is it? Not my will be done, but thine be done. I'll tell you something. Without him, you can do nothing. My friend, this world's got all its things you can do. And they will even recognize you for. But you will find out when you see him that it was really a whole bunch of nothing. A whole bunch of nothing. What did he say? Lord, I'm so thankful that my life was crucified. I'm thankful my sins were dealt with. I'm so thankful I'm not trying to keep the law. Paul used to try to keep the law, right? Man, he was zealous for the law. He tried to live it. He, he was like the Pharisees who tithed of the herbs they received. Who washed his hands upon command, who fasted upon command, who kept every feast upon command, who did everything he could to keep the law and the sacrifices thereof, sat under the feet of Gamaliel and learned and studied and even persecuted the church as he, found, as he tried to keep the law. And then one day God told him and said, for all your keeping, it was insufficient. 
For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, but the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You cannot pray your way into heaven. You cannot work your way into heaven. You not, cannot keep the word of God into heaven. You must simply trust Jesus. And he realized in that moment that he did it, that all of a sudden something happened. His old flesh and sinful nature died and that desire to live for wrong began to fade and his heart was to the Lord and he said, there's something different about me now. There's something different about this book now. I value it more than I valued it before. There's something different about this family tonight, today. We, God said, we're the sons of God. Isn't that what he said? You know, this isn't just some gathering place. This is a family reunion of God's people come together to worship our God in heaven, our Father. It means something different. It's why the world steps in here and feels a little awkward because they just don't get it because they're not part of the family. But when you come to know God and you're part of the family, all of a sudden it means something to you. Singing Amazing Grace means something to you. Singing about the family of God means something to you. Opening the Word of God and hearing from His Word means something to you because you've been changed. So since you've been changed and died the old flesh, just let go of it anyway because it can't hang on to you, so you might as well quit hanging on to it. Give up the world. Give up the flesh. Give up those things and say, not my will but thine be done, and you'll know you'll find something out because your old nature's dead and you're a new creature. Once you get let go of it, you'll find out something. You kind of wanted to let go of it in the first place because you were changed. And there is great joy in letting go of the world because you're going to find out this new nature really didn't want to hang on to it anyhow. There's a great relief in dying to the world and dying to the flesh and then saying, Lord, I used to be filled with this thing called the flesh and sin. And it pushed me about and it shoved me about and I could do nothing but sin. You saved me. You drove a nail, not only through the hands of my Lord, but through the heart of my sinful nature. And I was crucified with you. And I have risen with you to walk in newness of life. My life is filled. And so, Lord, would you take over and would you fill me and use me and control my life today? Would you let me know the love and the joy and the peace and the gentleness and the long-suffering nature of God and the faith and the temperance? Would you fill me with your power and you will find something? You will do things there that you could not do otherwise. And as long as you're trying to live without it, you'll find you not. You can't even do it. God, take control of me. Take control of my life. I'll tell you what, the more of him life is the crucified life. The more of him life is the filled life. And the more of him life is the faith life. Look at what he says at the end of that verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the what? Faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you were to look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, same page for me, just a few verses over, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The crucified life, the spirit-filled life is the faith life. You say, preacher, why should I die to this world it promises so many good things. Why should I die to my own will? Sometimes I think I know better than anybody else knows or God knows. 
Why should I give up trying to control my own life and yield myself over to the fullness of the Spirit? Well, it's this little world called faith. By faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'll tell you something. There's going to come a time when you won't want to die to self. Part of you will. Some of you won't. And you'll make a decision of faith. He loved me. And he gave himself for me. Look long in the rear view long enough to see Calvary for a moment, would you? The song was played tonight for the offertory. Lead me to Calvary. And Lord, take me back to the cross. Take me back to that upper room. Let me see as you were betrayed by Judas and went down the garden and prayed. Let me see how your disciples slept as your son prayed. Not my will be done, but my father, but thy will be done. Lord, let me see Judas coming through the garden to betray his Lord and that kiss of betrayal. And as you would be led away before, before the religious crowd who would blaspheme your name and hire liars to lie about you, sent you off to Pilate who would try to wash his hands of you and send you off to Herod and then back. Let me see though, let me hear the crowd cry, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Let me think and meditate on this fact that they beat him with the cat of nine tails till his flesh hung from his bones and his bones were made bare till they plucked out his beard and beat his face till he was unrecognizable as a man till they shoved the crown of thorns upon his head to mock him as some kind of king and gave him a crown of thorns. And, and as they led him up Calvary's hill, uh, carrying his own cross and nailed him to that cross, nails through his hands and nails through his feet, as he gave his life, it is finished, paid in full, for one reason, love. For God so loved the world. Lord, you have loved me and gave yourself for me. You did all of that. Then let me lay everything else down. Let me lay it all down. Take control of my life. i tell you something. God only means good for you and only intends good. And you say, prove it, preacher. I don't need to. He did. It's called Calvary. It's called Calvary. Young people, you struggle, older folks, in between, you struggle with laying your will down, your flesh will lead you astray, but your God never will. Your will will lead you into heartache and heartbreak. Or doesn't. God will keep you. God will lead you. God will provide for you. His grace will be sufficient for you. And so what does he say? Die to yourself. You're dead already. That old sinful nature, it's dead already. I crucified it at Calvary for you. I died in your place. It's dead already. It's got no hold on you. So don't you hold on to it. Let go. And when you let go, Lord, control me. Fill me, use me. It's not just something for preacher's friend. When the Lord would make that statement, and be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making a melody in your heart in the Lord. You know, as soon as he was finished talking about being filled, you know what he said? Submitting yourselves one to another. Wives, submitting yourselves unto your husband as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Fathers, bring your children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Mass servants, be obedient unto your masters as unto the Lord. Masters, care for your servants as unto the Lord. You know what he's saying? 
The spirit-filled life is for everyday life. It is for everyday life. It is for the husband who's got a wife to love and lead. It's for the wife who's got a husband to love. It's for a father who's got children to raise and children who've got a father to follow. It's for the Christian that walks into a workplace. It's for the Christian who leads a workplace. It is for everyday living. And friend, without him, without him, it is impossible. But with him, nothing is. Paul, it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. There was this day my life was crucified in him. He died on the cross for me. And that Damascus road, I came to know him. And this old flesh was crucified. And I've been crucifying it and making sure it's dead ever since. Abandoning, this, abandoning the desires of this world. And pleading for the fillingness of his spirit. And trusting each and every moment. Whether it was in a prison in Philippi or a prison in Rome. Whether it was a shipwrecked in a night in the day of the deep. Whether it was in a moment of betrayal. I'm trusting God. Because he loves me. And gave himself for me. So I'm still living the crucified life. Still pleading for his filling. So that it's Christ in me. Not me trying to live like an empty glove. But me saying, Lord, take me, fill me, control me, use me. That's where the Christian's meant to live. Take me, control me, fill me, use me. Let's pray. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for the scripture, for the word of God. Lord, I'm thankful for what you would use Paul to write to this church, the churches at Galatia. <clears throat> but it wasn't just for them, it was for us, this church in Columbus, Georgia, for the Christian today. Lord, what a promise, Lord, that our, that our old sin nature is crucified, that we're alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us be filled today. Or if there's somebody wrestling with God, I pray today they'd surrender to him. If they're filling their life with the flesh today, I pray they'd, they'd die to it and fill their life with the Spirit. Lord, I pray that we would trust you with our lives enough to crucify our life and allow you to fill our lives, that we would trust you today. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Can I ask you this question Chris, for folks today? Do you know him? Could you say, preacher, I, I do know Christ as my Savior. That's settled for me. There was a time in my life when I bowed my head and trusted Christ as my Savior and I can give you a Bible reason, preacher. I know that I'm headed to heaven. I know that I know him as my Savior. My life is crucified in him. He died for my sins, and I've trusted in him. If that's your testimony, would you raise your hand as a testimony between you and the Lord, you and I and the Lord? You say, preacher, I know that I'm saved. Thank you. You may put your hand down. Is there anybody here to be honest? Say, preacher, I don't know that, but I want to know that. I've been struggling with the sinful nature, and I know there's a consequence for it, and I want victory today. I want to know Christ as my Savior. Preacher, would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that? You say, preacher, pray for me. I, I want to know the Lord as my Savior. Let me ask you this then, folks that are here. How many of you say, preach the Lord has spoken in my heart? I, maybe some specific instance, God said, you need to die to that in your life. You're, you're living too much for something you shouldn't. Maybe it's just when's the last time you said, Lord, here I am. Take me and control my life. Trust him. But you'd say, preacher, the Lord has spoken in my heart this morning. Would you raise your hand? Is this just a testimony? Would you stand with me as that pianist begins to play? As God has spoken to your heart, do business with the Lord uh, this morning as that pianist begins to play. And... I don't know when the last time was, but have you told the Lord, Lord, my life is yours? I want you to know today it's yours. Completely fill me, but without him, nothing, ever, without him, friend, it is all impossible. I think of that verse, it says, for without me, ye can do nothing. 
We need him much. But as God has spoken to your heart, do business with the Lord this morning.